so um, over the past couple months now, uh, we've been talking about what it means to, to be the church and the things that the Bible calls us to be devoted to as believers on our own and also as believers together. And we've talked about what it means to be devoted to the apostles' teaching or the word. We talked about what it means to be devoted to fellowship and we started talking about what it means to be devoted to breaking of bread. And um, the thing about this journey that the Lord has us on is it's not like we've got it all figured out. We know exactly where we're going. It's a journey that we're taking together. So it's like, hey, we may be off a little bit here. We're doing all right here. Uh, and collectively seeking the Lord and listening to his voice and in, to where he has us, which is just a more faithful picture of what the church is called to be. And um, we've been hearing a lot of incredible testimonies lately of you all stepping into what it means to be devoted to fellowship. And we wanted to take a time this morning to simply uh, hear those testimonies to give thanks to the Lord. Now, here's the thing about testimonies. I ask, I talk, I ask a lot of you to give testimonies, and everyone basically gives me the same response. Ugh. Ugh, do I have to, right? And listen, when someone gives a testimony, if you give a testimony, we all know it's not about you. And so it's about giving praise to the Lord. And that's why we want to stop and give testimony to what God's doing, because we think he's deserving of praise. Also, it helps, uh, I don't know, it gives us like encouragement, it gives us imagination for what this stuff could look like. Because the thing is like, I'm going to live this out differently than you are, or you are, or you are. Like, right? We're going to listen to the Spirit differently, and the Holy Spirit's going to tell us what it looks like to be, to be devoted to fellowship, or devoted to the, to, to the Word differently, because we're different people, and we're in relationship with the Lord. And so when we hear about a lot of different ways that's taking place, it helps give us imagination and excitement for how the Lord may ask us to step into this as well. So I have four people out of, I mean, I could have like ten of you come up, but I have four people I want to come up and uh, share a few testimonies we got Katie, Justin, Bernie, I'm missing someone. Amy Joe, you're not off the hook, Amy Joe. You got to come up here too. Come on up, come on up. Oh, good, you all, I, I didn't see some of you earlier. I didn't know if you were going to duck out or something, but come on up. Oh, give them a round of applause, make them feel welcome. I love this. I know you're slow coming up because whoever stands closest has to go first. So that's the way it goes, right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> in no particular order. The, the thing about all four of these testimonies, they're all so different. And some are just like really simple practical ways. Some are bigger stuff. And um, we just want to celebrate all on how the Holy Spirit's moving in you and you're walking in obedience to being devoted to fellowship. So first, my man Justin. Justin, what's been going on in terms of being devoted to fellowship with you lately? Yeah, so just kind of with what we've been talking about at Moran. Our house church has kind of um, dived deeper into what it means and think about what it means to be devoted to one another. Um, and so we've really uh, been intentional on leaning each other for little things. So, you know, if somebody needs help moving or somebody needs a, needs a dog let out, you know, we'll just post that need out to the group and see who can help out. Um, and people have really stepped up. But also, you know, with little things with their walk with the Lord too, spiritually, if somebody needs accountability for prayer, Hey, can, can somebody text me at this certain time during the day just to remind me that I want to be in the Word or I want to be praying? Um, that, and, and we have um, about 50-50 guys and girls. The guys have been getting together for breakfast in the morning every once in a while and just having deeper discussions and meeting one-on-one -on -one and just being a, um, 
um, a stronger relationship with one-on-one -on -one with each other, and that's really been positive in our house church discussions, but just in our daily lives to kind of have that deeper friendship as well. Did you guys get there overnight? You started out that way, right? Just loving each other like crazy? <laughs> Not at all. So um, we started last fall, and, you know, it takes a while to get to know each other, and, you know, you kind of um, slowly get mo more vulnerable, but um, as you kind of become more vulnerable with these people, they become more vulnerable with you, and you do develop those deeper relationships. So um, it is, I think it was mentioned a couple weeks ago about just putting yourself out there and, you know, if you have a group, like a house church group, that you're committed to each other, you know that you're there for each other, that vulnerability will be rewarded with a deeper relationship and a deeper friendship. Cool. Thanks so much. Um, <laughs> Amy Joe, I just love such a simple yet profound way of being devoted to fellowship. Why don't you give us an explanation of what, yeah. what it looked like for you guys? Yeah, well, and I hear you and others remind me in, at Moran Park about being kind of intentionally collective, intentionally relational. And I think that um, Joe, my husband, and I have recently begun a house church or become part of a house church and had some help getting that going. And I think what strikes me is just the being with. What, what stands out is we've just begun to be with each other. We have young people in our group, and they get together and they hang and they we have parents that haven't been on dates for a while and so we take kids and send them there and we have dinner and we press into what it means to hear from the Lord together and it's been a lot of fun so we started our group on a, a Friday night Saturday night which at first I think all of us were kind of wondering like oh every week I don't know and it has turned into my favorite Friday thing <laughs> it's just what we do on Fridays when we gather and people that I dearly love feel like family in a very short time, only six weeks. And so one of the gals um, in the group, shall remain nameless, um, <laughs> but I regret, uh, has been really instrumental in just coming around, and we'll, who is it doing? Coming around each other and being with, um, protecting the promises of God in each other's lives in some pretty difficult seasons for different people in the group and some pretty joyful seasons and times of indecision for others who really are just practicing adulting and uh, on the brink of big decisions. And But they but it feels like everyday family things going on. And so our most recently last weekend, Joe and I decided to just kind of seal that deal, and we invited this gal to come with us to Ohio to our family reunion. <laughs> which, and I really think she should be up here because it's one thing to invite someone to a family reunion, but it's actually a really bigger deal to say yes to go <laughs> to someone's family reunion. So kudos to her. But we, we went on this trip, and it was amazing. She, it was amazing to have her there. And we found um, the fellowship in the car on the way down just richer. And, uh, you know, we listened to some sermons. We had some conversations that were just different and deeper because there was a new chemistry in the car. And she fit right in, and we stole off to Cedar Point and kind of just extended it for a while, just having so much fun together. So just being Praise with. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give a round of applause. Thanks. The, um, they talked a lot about house church, and there'll be an opportunity to step in a house church come the fall. But the thing I want to make sure I tell you is house church isn't a point, right? It's just a vehicle for these relationships to develop. And, and they're developing outside of their weekly gathering by coming over to a family vacation. So thanks for sharing. Uh, Katie, what's, what's fellowship look like for you, <coughs> for you lately? Yeah, um, so 
for me, it's a little different. I have struggled my whole life um, with self-esteem and my worth um, and knowing where that worth came from. Um, and that led me um, down a pretty dark path, led me to an eating disorder. Um, and so the past several months, I've been um, seeking treatment out of state. Um, and while I was there, I was praying, just, Lord, please, could you provide someone that's walked down this road before? Could you please... Um, just give me someone that loves you and that can point me to you and that, um, that knows when I, when I say my struggles, they can say, yeah, I get that, me too. Um, and so when I got back from treatment, um, I actually met with Joy and um, we talked and we prayed and she suggested, hey, I wonder if there's anyone on back row that maybe would be willing to meet with you or that has walked this road before. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And I immediately in my head was like, yeah, right. Like who, there's going to be like nobody, like, but okay, you can check. Um, and so later that night she texted me and she said, Katie, there's five people that actually would be willing um, to meet with you or willing to meet with someone and talk about eating disorders. And I, that right there was amazing. Um, so she um, reached out to one, um, Ella, and um, Ella and I got connected through text and um, we met for coffee and we have been meeting every week um, since then. What's changed since you've been meeting every week? Uh, so much. Um, so Ella has been such an answer to prayer, and she has pointed me back to the Lord time and time again. She consistently is praying for me. She is consistently sending me Bible verses to check out and to read and reminding me God's truth and reminding me that he who began a good work in me is going to continue and carry it on into completion. Amen. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks to all you that have just said, emailed back row and just said, hey, I've, I've got something to contribute. Thank you so much for the practical ways that you're stepping out to care. That's an incredible testimony. Thanks. Um, Bernie, my man, how long have you been hanging around these parts and what, what brought you here? Well, I've been here about uh, three months. Okay. And uh, I'm a little bit ashamed to admit it, but uh, I spent almost 50 years in prison and I've just gotten out about 90 days ago. Yeah, right on, man. So you went through the 70 times 7 program. For those that don't know, 70 times 7 is a ministry. Their office is upstairs. They help men and women. They do a lot of amazing things. One of the things they do is help men and women coming out of uh, prison or those that have been incarcerated find jobs and walk with them and mentor them and encourage them. It's just awesome. Bernie went through the program. So Bernie, you went through the program, got to know some folks. You, you were leaving the program. And uh, what, did, what did you say to those folks? Well, I've been kind of a, a nerd, a scientist all my life. And mathematician and I just I didn't believe mm. you know, my family wasn't religious it just wasn't part of my life it wasn't part of my belief system and I was honest and I told them that at the at the end of the program but I met a whole bunch of really wonderful people not just there but here because I became coming to church and uh, I, I I don't know what happened but last week <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we know, I think we know what happened, but go ahead. I was at Central Westland, and the pastor gave a sermon about the Passover, and, you know, he painted the doorway, and he put a little kind of a skit on, and all of a sudden, I realized, because my mentor had put this idea in my mind uh, about two months ago, that if you take a choice between was there a miracle of a Big Bang, which is what a scientist might say, 
versus was there a miracle with a God that the choice might be better with with a guy? And that idea wouldn't leave me alone. It just kept nagging at me and eating at me. And I was sitting there in the pew last week, and tears just started running down my eyes, out of my eyes. And I, I realized that it was true and that I believed. It, I don't know what happened. The Holy Spirit, bro. <laughs> um, I, love, I love the just the breadth of fellowship, of fellowship not just here, but fellowship at the broader body of Christ in Highland at Central. Um, but you kept coming back here, even though you didn't agree with the beliefs. Why did you keep coming back every Sunday? Because you hit up Central, and then you come over here when you were done there, double yeah, double duty. I, I did. Um, I've been doing it for a couple of I love it. I love now. it. So what, why did you keep coming back? I liked the sense of family. All of the years I was in prison, I never had a visit, a phone call, no letters or anything. And I was just, you know, on my own, and everybody was so welcoming, and they treated me so kindly and so nicely. And I, I couldn't believe how how the community here has welcomed me, you know, and I like the idea that, that you welcome any and everybody. Amen. And, and Amen. I like the message. I like the kindness. Amen. I, you know, I, um, <laughs> go ahead. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of encouraging things about your, your testimony, Bernie, but I think it's a reminder to all of us, we don't know how many other Bernies are sitting around here, right? Um, just experiencing their own stuff and no family or whatever it may be. I think it's a good reminder, as uncomfortable and as awkward as it is to reach out, um, like that's, there's power in that. And so I encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because uh, there's a lot of guys like Bernie. And so praise the Lord. You got to hold your heart. Praise Boom, blew it up. Love it. Thanks, man. Let's give them all a round of applause. Thanks, guys. literally the tip of the iceberg. Isn't that crazy? Jesus. He's awesome. Okay, I got to pray after that because I'm all wound up. I mean, I'm always wound up, but I'm extra. <laughs> extra wound up. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, man. Woo. Jesus, you're, you're just doing it, right? You're doing the stuff. You're doing it. You're changing hearts. You're softening hearts. You're giving us boldness. You're giving us courage. You're, you're doing it. You're, you're just doing it. And, um, Saving people, bringing freedom to people, delivering people, causing people to be loved, gifts to be used. I mean, like, you're just, you're just doing the stuff. So, God, I ask that you would multiply the work that you're doing, that you would multiply that work. God, I don't know what you want to do this morning, but we say, you're Jesus, you're the boss, you're the king, you're in charge, so continue to have your way. I'm just going to, I'm like going to blow up, um, and so God, you're going to have to uh, just channel that uh, this morning.
just a good, good, I mean, it's just a reminder today, God, right? Like, we can sing songs, we can share some things, we can teach, we can look at the Word, we can, like, shake hands. But at the end of the day, it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that any of this happens. It's like, that's it. It is by your work. Oh, man, that is so awesome. So, oh, I guess all we have to say to that is thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know you're going to continue that work this morning. Oh, I need you, Jesus. So would you please give me the words to say and steer me away from the stuff you don't want me to say this morning, that I have an ear to hear what you're saying. Lead us, lead us, lead us, lead us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting to me because it makes me think of... Uh, a lot of those testimonies, people, they didn't even, like, know each other. I knew them for six weeks. I knew them for 90 days. I knew, I just met this person. I knew this. And what's, what's crazy to think about is how the, the power of the unity of the Spirit, right? Like, when you have Jesus is the central point, it makes you think there's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And it says, is not the cup of blessing that we bless it's not a partaking in the blood of Christ. It's not the bread that we break is not participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body because we eat of the one bread. And it's because we all continue to come to Jesus. All, we, we need him for salvation, for ongoing grace. So because we keep coming back to him, he puts us together as part of one body and he knits us together. And we're beginning to see what that looks like when we're drawn together by Christ is the point. But Christ is the focal point. And so this morning, I want to talk more about what it means to be devoted to the breaking of the bread. And this will be our last week, God willing. Um, about what it means to be devoted to the breaking of the bread. But as we've been looking at different meals of what that looks like, I want to look specifically at the, the one meal of breaking of the bread uh, regarding communion. It was a meal that Jesus was at with his disciples when he instituted this. Some of you maybe know it as the Lord's Supper. The, it's called the Lord's Supper just because Jesus, our Lord, had it at the, the, the Last Supper. He was eating with his disciples before he was arrested, killed, etc. Some of you maybe have heard this uh, meal referred to as communion because it really focuses on the communion that we have with the Lord and the communion that we have with one another. The vertical and the horizontal communion. Some of you come from traditions where maybe you've heard it referred to as the Eucharist, which means to give thanks, and it's an opportunity to come and uh, eat bread and drink juice or wine to remember and give thanks to what God has done for us and what God is doing. Uh, it, it's interesting to me that um, the word says specifically to be devoted to this. Now, we don't, I don't know, like this is where there's a temptation to get like super legalistic about it and be like, well, how many times a month do you have to celebrate communion for it to be devoted, right, to be devoted to it? I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, in the word later on in, in Acts chapter 2, they, it says that they devoted themselves or they, every day, day by day, they would meet in the temple courts, and then they break bread together in homes. And like, yeah, they were probably eating together, and part of that meal was likely the, the Lord's Supper. Uh, so today, churches sometimes celebrate the Lord's Supper once a week, some do once a month, some do quarterly, some do annually, and I think more than just like checking it off the, the, the list of how often we need to do it, it's more of an attitude in the heart that says, are we devoted to communion? And not just taking it, 
Because then, right, you can do all the right stuff but have your heart be far from the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. But that we are devoted to what it means, what it's about. It, it is interesting because I, I do think sometimes communion has taken a back seat. I, I, don't, I don't think it's intentional. But, I mean, could you imagine if we didn't, like, sing for a couple of weeks? You'd leave be like, what was that, right? Or if we, for a couple of weeks, we didn't get into the word, you'd be like, man, was that even church? Like, what, what was that? But I think for a lot of it, for myself included, a lot of times, I could go a while without the Lord's Supper and, and not think twice about it. Now, I'm not saying that means you have to celebrate the Lord's Supper every single week. That's not what I'm saying. But is it, does it hold the same place in our hearts? Does it have the same focal point for us uh, of the Lord's Supper? And, and I want to get into why that is and, and why that's a beneficial thing for us and why we're called to it this morning is, you know, Jesus tells us, um, he's in the Last Supper, he takes the cup and he takes the bread, and, and he says about both of them, whenever you, you drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. He takes the bread, right? Whenever you eat of this, do it in remembrance of me. Why does he say to them, you, you need to remember this? Do this, and as you do it, you have to remember could it possibly be because them, like us, are people that are prone to forget? It's amazing how quickly we forget the gospel, isn't it? Like, we are told to do these things as an act of remembrance. We do this physical act, right? Where we, we, take, we take the bread and we, we, we take and eat the bread. And this physical act is a remembrance of something that Jesus has done. And like the cup, right, he says, this is the, my blood of the new covenant given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's like every time we take this, it's not just this uh, religious ritual that's like, that's eh, something I got to do because this is what good Christians do. No, it's a remembrance of something that took place and something that is taking place in what Jesus has done for us. That's why we do it. So what is it that we are reminding each other of? And that's what, man, I love that. Who was that? That was... Um, Katie said that, right? How Ella was reminding her of what Jesus had done, reminding her of the truth. That's why we do it communally a lot of times is because it's a corporate, we need to remind each other of what Jesus has done. But what is it that we are reminding each other and what is it that we need to be reminded of, of what has taken place? Turn this Titus 2. Titus is a very overlooked little book in the New Testament. A little bit before Hebrews there. Titus 2, 11 through 14. It says this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people 
for his own possession who are zealous for good works. There's three parts of this that I want to look at of what we're remembering. There's a past event, there is a current reality, and there's a future hope. Okay, the first thing it says is the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the grace of God. Um, the grace of God is appeared giving salvation to all men. Now, he's not saying like everybody's automatically saved, but he is saying it's available to all people. It's not just for a certain group of people, a certain kind of family. It's for... It's available to all kinds of, of people. And he said, this grace of God has appeared bringing salvation. Well, what is this salvation? I think for a lot of us, this is the part of the gospel we tend to grab a little bit more mm, concretely. This is the part of this where it says we've been, you know, later on here, in, you know, down in verse 14, who's purified us for himself a people of his own possession. Like, I, I think in communion, we tend to understand the, the wine or the juice a little bit more than the bread. Like, we, we understand a lot of times, it's like what Bernie said, right? Where um, Jesus, when he was with his disciples, the meal that he was participating in, this is what Ben was talking about last week, the meal that they were participating in was a Passover meal, which is a remembrance of God delivering his people out of slavery. They were in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. And God had rescued his people, but before God delivered his people out of Egypt, he said, okay, I'm going to bring judgment upon the land. And I'm going to kill the firstborn males in every household. And the only way that you are going to escape this judgment that is going to be placed upon the land is that when you take a lamb, a pure lamb, and you, you kill it. And you take its blood and you put it over the door, door frame of the house. So that when I come to kill the firstborn male, I will see the blood is covering you and I will pass over your home. Because judgment has been placed on the lamb rather than, than will be placed on you. That's part of the imagery. When Jesus is with his disciples, he's saying, you all, because of your sin, you have sinned against God. It's not just a little bit of a, oh, you've done some wrong things. Our sin deserves the judgment and wrath of God. Our sin is an offense against a holy and righteous God, and we deserve punishment for it. But this is God's grace that he sent Jesus, the one who was going to die in our place, so that we didn't experience his judgment, but that would be placed on Jesus instead, the innocent lamb who was slain in our place, so that his blood was shed that would cover us, so that when God looks at us, he sees the blood of Christ, and his judgment passes over us because it's been placed on Jesus. It's his blood that makes us white as snow. It is his blood that cleanses us of all of our sin and all of our unrighteousness. That's the gift of salvation. Like that, that's really important. Like that's why when we come to celebrate communion together, we come and remember like, oh, yes, I screwed up this week. But I thank you that, Jesus, you have cleansed me from all my sins. Oh, man, I just yelled at my kids this week so many times. They deserved it, but I still yelled, right? Like um, we come and like, oh, God, I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to hide from you because it says... It is by the blood that I can now boldly approach the throne. Not by my own good works this week, but purely by the blood that covers me. That's what you see. Is you see the blood of Christ when you look at me. That's why I can run to you when I screw up. We come to him knowing, Jesus, you are enough. You are sufficient. Your blood has wiped me clean. Even if I don't feel like it today, the truth is that has happened in the past. You've made me white as snow. But here's the other thing. The other thing that we are to remember is this current reality. Sometimes I think we just look at the gospel as this past event of forgetting of sin. And that's a part of it. But this is what it says in Titus 2 again. Verse 12. 
training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Sometimes I think we just look at the gospel, it's like, okay, I'm forgiven, so I'm just going to kind of live life, try to do some good things, and hope for the best till Jesus returns. But this is the beauty of the bread, I believe, in the gospel. Like, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I feel like the bread just comes along for the ride, don't you? It's like, yes, the blood, washed clean, forgiven, then it's like, okay, the body, Jesus, it's my body which is given for you. Like, all right, well, like, what does that mean? What, what's the spiritual significance? What's the weight of the fact that his body was, in fact, broken for us? We see as part of this Passover celebration of God's people, they would, would remember that God put judgment upon the lamb to lead them out of Egypt. But God also said to them that, hey, guys, you're going to be leaving quickly. I know you've been in slavery for a long time. It's just, it's, you've been there for over 400 years. I'm bringing you out. But I'm going to bring you out so quickly that you don't have time to let the yeast in your bread rise and so that's why it's, it's going to be flat. You just got to take it and we're going to go because now's the time. Later on, the, the eating of this bread as part of this festival of the unleavened bread, which is part of Passover, was a reminder of the fact that God had rescued his people from slavery. The bread became an image of the actually coming out of slavery and it became a picture of their daily sustenance for life until they reached the promised land. God had given them bread each day, the manna, to feed them, to sustain them until they got to the promised land. This is also what the gospel is for us. You see, the blood deals with what we've done. The blood deals with what we've done. The blood deals with our sin. The blood deals with the forgiveness of all the stupid things that we've done, right? The body deals with who we are. Here's what I mean. Hang with me for a second. It's not necessarily, it's okay news if my sins are forgiven, but I'm still stuck in slavery to sin. I mean, it's like, it's good, I, my sins are forgiven, but I'm still stuck in this, having a heart that wants to do what's wrong, having a heart that, that is part of the kingdom of darkness. You see, we're all born into slavery. We're all born into slavery of sin because from Adam, the sin of Adam is passed down from generation to generation. And we are born with the DNA, a spiritual DNA of sin. So as good as you want to be, as good as you try to be, we are all born not simply that we do sin, but we are sinners. That the core of who we are has a corruptible seed that cannot be fixed on its own, that cannot be uh, made right on its own. The problem is that we are all born in slavery to sin where we are part of the kingdom of darkness and there's nothing that we can do to get out of it. The blood can forgive us, but it's by the body of Christ that we are rescued from the slavery of sin. This is how it happens. In Romans it says this, is those who are buried with Christ or raised with Christ, we, are, we, are di we died with Christ so we could live with Christ. Jesus came as a man but as he died on the cross, he's putting to death the old sinful nature of man, and he's being raised up in, as a new man in a resurrected body. We now, when we come to faith in Christ, are united with him in his death, where he puts to death our old sinful nature, and we are raised up with him in a new body. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians, the old is, as it says somewhere, the old is gone, the new has come. We are now, now made new. Think about it like this. I know you're looking at me like, I don't know. Okay. You 
don't need simply the old to be forgiven. You need the old to be killed and to be made new. And you can't make yourself new. It's like if you were to leave here and go to Chicago and you wanted to leave Holland and go to Chicago. It's you sitting in the back seat of a self-driving vehicle. You're doing no work at all. You're simply sitting there and it takes you out of Holland and brings you into Chicago. It's a crude example. But that's how you get out of slavery to the old self, slavery to the sin nature, is that you find yourself in Christ by faith and he pulls you out of the sinful nature and he now is leading you into the fullness of life that he's promised you in Christ Jesus. Where it says that it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives within you. That's where I think the significance of the bread is. Is that it's a reminder when we come back together and it says, man, I thank you. That it's no, I'm no longer slave to sin. You, I thank you, God, that you've given me a new heart. I thank you that you've not made an old version of me better, but you've put it totally to death. And, and I thank you, God, that I now no longer live, but it's you who lives in me. I thank you that there's hope now to defeat sin because it's not by my power or by my might, but by the seed of Christ that dwells within me. I thank you, God, that it's not my own ability to forgive those who have wronged me, but I thank you, Jesus, that it's your life that dwells in me. That's why I can forgive those who wrong me. It's no longer me trying hard to defeat sin on my own, but I thank you, but it's your daily grace that sustains me to, to walk in holiness. I mean, this, this is what it's saying, like, it is the same grace, it's the same grace, the same grace that forgave you of sin is the same grace that is constantly at work within you to even give you the ability to walk in holiness today. It says like in Galatians 3, like this is something I so quickly forget. It's like, oh God, I need you for salvation. I need you for salvation. Now that you've saved me, I think now it's my own work and my own effort that's going to make me grow in holiness. That's nonsense. The same spirit, the same grace that gave us the gift of salvation is the same spirit and the same grace that's within us that's giving us the ability to grow in holiness. And some of you this morning are so beating yourself down going, I'm just not moving fast enough for the Lord. Some of you are like, I'm not doing enough for the Lord. Rather, when we come to celebrate communion and we take the bread, it's saying, I can't do anything for the Lord. I thank you that your seed and your life is growing in me. The fact that I've grown it all this year is because of your grace. The fact that I stayed sober for the past three days is only because of your grace, not by my willpower. The only reason why I got out of prison and have experienced new life after 50 years is not because I tried hard enough, but because by the grace of God that you continue to give me. The only way that I continue to walk in freedom and not give in to depression is because, God, you, you've given me the grace to succeed. Even in the midst of my darkness, in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the bottom of the pit, you've met me there. And it is by your grace that I'm alive today and not by my own work, my own willpower, or my own effort. It is, it's his grace. Ongoing. That's why we need to make the Lord's Supper essential. Because I need to be reminded that all the stinking time. It is his work that saved us. It's his grace that gave us salvation. But it's also his grace that gives us the ability to grow in sanctification. That's just a fancy word for growing in maturity to become more like Jesus. And, and that's why I think we need to do this together because so often we're so nearsighted and we need to look at each other and say, no, no, look at how you've grown. Now look at what the God's already done in your life. Don't you think he'll continue that? Don't you think the work that God's begun in your life, don't you think he's going to see it to completion? That's why we need to be devoted to the Lord's Supper. Lastly, I think one of the things that we need to be reminded of as our past salvation 
of current reality, but also our future hope. And this is what it says in Titus 2, verse 13. We are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like this, this meal is also a reminder that we celebrate it now, but there's going to be a day that we're going to celebrate with him face to face. And it's going to be awesome. The struggle is going to be done. This pattern of like, oh, I screwed up, but receiving grace. We're going we're gonna to experience this, the fullness of him. And so when we come and we're reminded, we're reminded things are broken, things are screwed up, things aren't the way they're supposed to be. But when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we're reminded, oh, there's going to be a day where he's coming back and he's going to make all things new. He's going to make the wrong right and he's going to restore all things. And we will be with him forever and ever for those that profess Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's good news. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. So we get the privilege of taking the Lord's Supper again. And the Bible talks about examining yourselves to not take it in an unworthy manner. And I don't have time to get into all of that stuff today. But I want us to take a moment and let the, the Lord search us, our, our hearts. So that we don't just come and we do this, it's like, okay, I do this again, I do this again. But we give the Lord an opportunity to search our hearts, to to point out anything that needs to be changed or simply to encourage us with the truth. So I'm going to invite you to close, close your eyes for a second. As Holy Spirit, would you reveal just any, would you remind us of the power of the forgiveness that is, comes through the blood of your son Jesus? God, would you point out any areas of our lives we are not believing and walking in faith of the forgiveness that comes through the blood of Jesus? Oh God, would you point out any areas where we are walking in a, an abuse or misuse of your grace by saying, I'm forgiven, it's okay, whatever I do doesn't matter because I'm forgiven. Would you open our eyes to the cost of your grace, God, and that we would not throw it back at you as some cheap token, but God, that we would understand the worth and the weight of the blood that was poured out and shed on our behalf. God, would you examine us in any ways this past week that we've fallen short or messed up that we would not walk in condemnation, but that we would come back to and say, oh, God, I thank you that you forgive me of this and that you're going to give me the grace to continue to grow in maturity in this area. God, would you point out anything in us that we're just trying to do in our own strength and our own will and our own power, God, and would you uh, God, give us the revelation of the magnitude of your grace and your power for us in the daily walk. And God, as we look forward, would you give us a reminder that this world is not our home? Would you give us a reminder and a, a revelation of what's to come? 
Lord, since we eat of, of one bread together and we are united in Jesus, that this is not just a me and you type of thing, but we do this together. God, I ask that you would bring revelation anywhere that there's broken relationship within the body. Anything that needs to be restored. Forgiveness that needs to be granted. Bitterness that is being uh, harbored. God, I pray that you would show that so that we could turn away from it and make it right. I thank you, God, that it's not by our own power on our own ability that we can restore that, but it's by the power of your spirit. God, we thank you. We thank you for the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin. We thank you for your body that was given for us to rescue us from the dominion of darkness and bring us into new, new life. That we are now made new because of you, Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what we're going to do this morning is we're going to celebrate communion again. I don't, who is, uh, who's setting up communion? Looks like it's maybe me. Daniel is. I have a couple cups here. I don't know where the, oh, it's over here. Thank you. So what we're going to do this morning is, um, as we understand we're devoted together, I cannot talk and walk. We're going to do it a little differently this morning. We're going to have you serve your neighbor. I'm going to um, have you stand up, actually. <laughs>